Welcome to Season 6 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Massachusetts. My specialty is additions and renovations to older homes. I'm especially interested in sustainable renovations and new technologies. This season, I'll be speaking with women in renovations. These women could be in construction, real estate, design. It could be homeowners with a story to tell. Each will bring her experience and advice to people who are planning a home renovation of their own. The first five seasons have covered all aspects of home renovations from foundations to roofing, sustainable renovations, DIY projects, how to hire professionals, and there are lots of home renovation stories and advice from all types of people. This week we are revisiting an episode with one of my favorite women in renovations, Emily Mottram. She was my guest on episode 62 called Pretty Good Renovation. Emily is the founder and principal of Motram Architecture in Maine. She is not only an architect, but an energy consultant and a building science educator. This episode was originally recorded in the summer of 2021, and I had originally encountered Emily through her podcast, E3, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. Her podcast is all about building science, architecture, and female entrepreneurship. She's also one of the hosts of BS and Beer, in which BS stands for Building Science. Since we recorded the episode in 2021, she's also co-authored a book called The Pretty Good House. We've heard from Mike Maines when that book came out on this podcast. We're talking about her pretty good renovation, as she calls it, a renovation that's in line with the sustainable and energy efficient principles of the Pretty Good House movement. Knowing that I was going to be revisiting this episode, I asked Emily for her current thoughts on a pretty good renovation. And she says, As energy prices continue to rise, people are concerned about improving the efficiency of their homes. However, few people have the resources to do a deep energy retrofit that would include siding, roofing, interior finishes, insulation, and often new HVAC equipment. So when I talk about renovation work, the first thing I discuss is health and safety. Do you have a wet basement? Are there parts of your home that are at the end of useful life? That's where the most opportunity happens. Add insulation when you have to replace the siding. Make sure you aren't trapping ground moisture and soil gases inside your home when you're adding air sealing measures. It's complicated, and I highly recommend you work with a professional who can help you tick off the improvements in an incremental manner that won't cause harm or break the budget in one go. That's Emily's advice in a nutshell. Here's my conversation about what she has been up to at her own house. For joining me, and I do, I love your podcast, and it's so inspiring to me. And so I understand you're doing your own project right now. (laughs) Yes. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. What do you have to share? I think the important thing to share is people always say like, oh, I want to go to the architect's house or the builder's house. But oftentimes that's where we trial everything so that we make sure it works on our clients' houses. And so uh, the cobbler has no shoes. It's sort of like the architect has 15 unfinished projects right now. (laughs) Um, So that's that's about how my renovation worked. So as a high performance architect, and trying to improve with climate change and everything like that. Renovations are a great place to start. So my husband and I actually bought an existing house um, in 2018 that was built in 1977. And we knew being on the water that there were some things that were at the end of their usable life. We had a boiler that was installed in the nineties. You know, it's only supposed to last 15 years or so, right? It was at the end of its life and hot water was off the boiler, which is like the worst thing that you can do with fuel oil anyway, as moving towards having a super insulated, full electric house here. But scope creep is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And 
every time you touch something, and this is really important for homeowners, is in renovation work, you tend to touch more things than you think you do. So every time you remove a wall, that means you're working in the room that you're in and the room that you weren't in. So, uh, and then that continues throughout. And so the project started, we couldn't travel much this year. So we just decided to use some of our vacation time to try to crank out some projects that needed to happen before other bigger projects needed to happen. And one of them was um, our house had an old gas fireplace that was not connected anymore. And it had a wood stove from 1977. And part of the stuff that I learn um, and just keep learning more and more about as building science improves is indoor air quality and everything else. And so this old wood stove from 1977 uh, seemed like a bad choice. It was in our kitchen. So none of that heat was really translating to our living room, which is where we hung out. And I thought, now's the time to, to kind of change this out. So we got a zero clearance wood fireplace insert that looks more like a fireplace, but meets all of the EPA 2021 uh, emissions guidelines. It has uh, fresh air directly to it. It doesn't draw air from inside of our house. And we were just going to replace the gas fireplace with this new insert and get rid of the wood stove on the kitchen side of our house. But one project led to taking down the whole block that was in there. So there were, there were bricks on the backside where the wood stove was. And then there was like a concrete mantle on the gas fireplace on the living room side. And as we started taking things apart, more things needed to come apart. And all of a sudden mm. I had an open concept between my living room and my kitchen. And I went, uh, somebody convinced me to put this back because I don't want to now. In fairness, we have trusses, so none of that was supporting anything. When we tore it all out, we actually found cut trusses and cut floor joists. So we were mm -hmm. able to structurally repair those, which was great. So we fixed those and decided to put the fireplace on the other side. So we actually just rearranged our living room 180 degrees and we built a half wall in between so that the couch could back up the half wall, but it's open to my kitchen and living room. But that led to patching the holes in the ceiling. Uh, it led to fixing structural repairs. It led to uh, building out an entire box for the new wood stove that we had already put purchased. So we now own, so it needed to go somewhere. And this is Maine, so we do lose power. So we kind of wanted to have that extra backup as part of it. So we started working on that and recreating a built-in that was part of the big fireplace block. But now we don't have any flooring where the fireplace block was. So hmm. my, this is where I say the cobbler has shoes. My infinite plan was actually, I rolled a rug out over top of the area that doesn't have any flooring. And we're sort of living with that currently, because when we pulled that up, we realized we had some particle board subfloor, which is not great. Can't put wood flooring over top of it. So we have a pile of wood flooring to put down, but we need to put subfloor down. But in order to do that, we actually have to take out our baseboards mm -hmm. that were attached to the oil boiler. So we had to take the oil boiler out. So we had to put in heat pumps. So currently <laughs> this project is in the middle of the phase where we just had heat pumps installed two weeks ago. So now we can take the heating system out. Um, we actually are having fresh air ventilation also put in at the same time. The company does the same thing. So in September, they're coming to put in fresh air ventilation, which is awesome. 
um, and then we'll be able to take out the baseboards and put in the flooring. So what started as a fireplace swap out turned <laughs> yeah. into a whole systems project. But all that followed along with the main goal for what we want to do, um, the oil boiler chimney goes through the south roof slope where I want to put solar panels in the future. So we knew that needed to come out. We knew it was going to come out and it just came out sooner mm -hmm. than we expected. So I just want to forewarn anybody who's doing a renovation. It snowballs really quickly and it doesn't matter if you're the architect. In fact, I should take my own advice and know better because if I was doing this with a client, I would have sat down with them. We probably would have come up with the open concept plan long before demo day. <laughs> we would have worked through all the ideas. Like now's your opportunity to do X, Y, or Z. How do you what do you see the long term? Because I didn't do that. I mean, I had drawings. I had had things that I was going to use with our contractor who was here helping us. But that scope creep is a real thing. And you have to remember that when you touch one thing, you touch every surface that it touches also. So, yeah. so that's my that's that's the rundown on what's going on at my house. And so it's partway finished. Mm. Is your husband an architect? My husband is not. He works in the building trades field. He is trained as a mechanical engineer. So he was less excited about the plan changing every day for the creative <laughs> that I am. Oh, we could do this. This is great. Um, our contractor is actually a friend of ours and he was brilliant. He was like, whatever we decide tonight won't be the plan at breakfast. Whatever we decide at breakfast, that's what we're going to do that day. And so he, he rolled with it. Um, my engineer husband was like, why does the plan keep changing? <laughs> and he has graciously uh, allowed me to to uh, start working on all these projects. And I mean, he loves he loves the the uh, end result of a lot of the things that we've done. He gets to have his input and things that he wants to put in as well. But maybe wasn't as excited about living in a construction project for now going on four months. We started this in March. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how how long it takes. And you're right, how you touch one thing and then you can't do this other thing until you do this, but you can't do that until you do this. I'm kind of living through that right now in a really seemingly simple kitchen. We, it wasn't even a renovation. We just were basically redoing the floor and getting a new stove. And that has turned into so many other things. You know, the things that we would tell our client, like move out if you're going to do a major renovation like this. I did not cover enough things while we were sanding sheetrock dust and sheetrock mm. dust will be in everything I own for the rest of my life. So if you're not moving out and you're touching anything that has sheetrock on it, cover anything you don't want to dust. Hmm. Yep. That's a very good one. I had a, yeah. I had a carpenter who convinced me it was okay to um, use his saws and everything down in my basement because it's an unfinished basement, except for that. He didn't do anything to cover anything. There's sawdust for years, for about eight years. There's been just, and it's not safe. That is not safe. But yeah. I feel like maybe we think we can handle it because we're architects. Somehow that, that makes us, somehow being architects makes it, I don't know what, like magically okay. Like we can live through things that other people can't. I mean, it's still upsetting. I think we just know what to expect is the difference. And it, really pushes further that you would convince a client not to do those things because you've personally lived through it. Like, you know what it's like to live in, you know, a pile of construction dust and mm. debris and all of that. And, you know, what you were saying earlier about your kitchen renovation, it was supposed to be, you know, just like really simple. And 
tying back to what I've been doing at my house is I teach and tell my clients that your house is a system of interrelated parts. And I think these two examples really bring that home, right? Mm. Is, you know, a house isn't just, you know, four walls or whatever. Those parts are all tied together. They work together as a system. Changing one means that you have to change a lot of other things. And it's complicated. And renovations are expensive and time consuming. And uh, in the last year and a half, have also added complications of things that you can get, things that don't show up on time, um, yep. things that you can't get any longer. Um, so it's been it's been a fun and interesting time to practice architecture and build. That is definitely for sure. It has been a um, an exercise in patience too, like having to change direction because something's not available. Or won't be available. Like right now, windows are out 22 weeks, I hear. Yeah. That's a long time. That's always, almost half a year. It was always the stick about European uh, triple pane windows. If you can get past um, Americans not being familiar with tilt and turn as a style of window, like, you know, Europeans just don't even think uh, twice about it because that's what they've had for the longest time. Um, but so if you can get past the style of tilt and turns, which are actually fantastic in the way that they work. They are. Um, so if you can kind of get past that, it was always, oh, well, it's a 10, you know, eight to 10 week lead time. This is pre pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, now I can still get my European tilt and turn windows in 10 to 14 weeks, which is half the amount of time that the new American, you know, the the local American made windows that used to be able to get in two to four weeks are now, you know, 16 to 18 weeks or 20 weeks, like you said. So but back to your project. So what are what else are you planning to do? I'm planning to do lots more things. So it it started out um, the bones of this house really are great. Um, it's in a great location. And uh, it had a really great layout. And minus the fact that I didn't have open concept at the time, the layout was still really had a great flow. You could walk around the fireplace block on both sides. So there was a nice flow between um, our spaces. And as an architect, nothing drives me more crazy than buildings that have no flow. They have weird spaces. They have awkward like doors and places that like you can't put a piece of furniture in a room because there's no is there's too many doors and windows and everything else. And so this house had great bones. So after looking at 52 houses, I told my husband, I can live in this one. <laughs> and then I was like, we just need to make some you know, minor changes to make it our style and update the things that are maintenance things. Um, and he has now determined that I would like to touch every square inch of the house, which is kind of true, but also just that's how renovations work. You just can't touch one thing and not touch something else. So for what I do in my primary practice of having, you know, all electric, low chemical, you know, carbon storing buildings, I'm trying to pull into my current house. So we talked about having to do the replace the wood stove with something that's better for our indoor space, then replace the boiler system. Um, actually, the very first project that we did was put in a heat pump hot water tank because making water off your boiler is the least efficient way to make hot water. Your oil boiler running all summer long to keep itself warm so that you can have water once a day when two people take showers just seemed crazy to me. And so the first thing we did was a heat pump hot water tank. And then now that we've done the heat pumps, 
we can take out the heating system, which will give my south facing roof slope back. But when we bought this house, they said the roof would need to be replaced probably in five years. We live on on the salt water. And so salt water is really difficult on building materials. The roof is just kind of end of its usable life. I mean, honestly, I think it's at 30 some years anyway. So, I mean, it's kind of at the end of its product lifespan anyway. It's an asphalt shingle roof. So the next things we will do uh, likely will be roofing and uh, solar panels, which will charge my electric car that I have. And so then followed by, uh, I'm waiting up here in Maine, there's a company called Timber HP that's putting together a wood fiber factory. They're going to do wood fiber bats, wood fiber blown in insulation and wood fiber board insulation. So what I'd like to do is um, our siding also had a five-year lifespan on it because although most people think that vinyl siding is maintenance-free, that is not really the cost and it does have a lifespan and salt water is difficult on vinyl siding. So the vinyl siding needs to come off and we have two by four walls with fiberglass insulation in them. So I am at least lucky that there's fiberglass insulation in my walls because it could have been nothing. So Mm -hmm. there's that. Could have been. Could have been nothing. So it's interesting. I can't, if I had bought a house like a 1977 house, I wouldn't feel, I think I'd feel more open to changing things about it without feeling like the nostalgic sort of feeling I have for old, older houses. Well, older houses come with their own challenges, which are often harder to, to handle and to fix. I knew I wouldn't want it to be vinyl siding forever. So I certainly would not have picked a house that had new vinyl siding. Right. right? Because then you, you want to, once you have it, it's already got its own carbon deficit, right? Like you have this thing. It's your goal then to continue to maintain it. Right. Our goal in renovating houses to make them uh, more carbon storing and to make them better for the environment and all that is not to just rip out all the bad things that people put in beforehand, for sure. So once it's here, you want to use it until it's at the end of its usable life. So we knew that this vinyl siding didn't have that much longer to go on it. What we will replace it with is... Still up for debate between my husband and I, but I think likely what we will replace it with is a natural shingle, which we will let weather, which is very common on the coast of Maine. Right. Um, So something that withstands the saltwater weathering, you know, has a very traditional New England look to it and can be installed over rain screens and in different ways now. Um, that will extend the longevity of that material itself as well. So what we'll do is we'll take off that vinyl siding, which I'm fairly certain is over wood siding that it's probably been rotting for the last 30 years because it doesn't breathe that well. So it gets wet behind it and upwind coastal winds and water washing into it. Um, that I think the likelihood is the old wood siding from the 70s probably is not in a good enough condition to keep. And so we'll do an air barrier to improve the air tightness of our house. Hopefully we will be able to skin it with a layer of continuous insulation and then put shingles, strapping and shingles up over top of it. So um, that's the end goal. Um, I'd love to say that'll happen in the next five years. It's <laughs> it's a bigger, uh, it's a bigger uh, project roofing mm-hmm. and siding and especially if you're adding insulation and strapping and everything else are just you've got surface area and so it's it's a it's a bigger project so hopefully it'll happen sooner 
than later, but it could be a longer term um, just really as things start to fail. So. Right. And then it, it also it affects the windows and doors, too. Yes. And so you have to do additional trim, different trim. Um, we actually still have 50% of our windows are still the original windows from the 70s that are wood. And so those windows are at failure. So those ones we would definitely improve to the best of our ability. So we'll probably put in triple pane tilt and turn windows at that time. Mm. Anybody who's ever listened to my podcast or listened to me talk knows that windows are the very last thing I want people to do. <laughs> because uh, they don't really improve efficiency um, as far as saving you money. If you did a window renovation and it saved you money, it had more to do with how we install windows now and how we air seal them in the wall than it does with the actual window. Mm -hmm. so, now, granted, if you can afford to do it, the triple pane windows add thermal comfort. So you feel less cold when you sit next to a window that has a third pane of glass. For sure. But as far as how much energy it saves you, not a lot. So in our new design principles, we spend a lot more time deciding how many windows we need, what they need to highlight and where they go mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> and get more wall area. Uh, but in a renovation, a lot of times people will just put windows back where, where they had windows before. Do you have, let's say, top three tips for people who, when renovating their house, they want to improve the environmental friendliness of their house? I think it depends on whether you're doing an interior or exterior uh, project. So if you're doing um, an interior renovation project, I would definitely encourage people to look at what the material content is. So what are the materials that you're bringing into your house? Because, you know, VOCs, plastics, uh, adhesives, a lot of that stuff can get trapped in our tighter homes. So as we improve the efficiency of our homes, we're oftentimes making them tighter. And so we have to be a little bit more careful about the things that we bring into and put into our houses. So if we start asking the questions um, and homeowners start asking those questions, we'll move the market forward where we won't have to ask those questions anymore because we'll just be getting things that are better as a rule of thumb. But like zero VOC paint is almost a standard now. It's not hard to get zero VOC paint. Do that. It's important. Um, so if you're doing things on the inside of your house, ventilation and, you know, what is in the materials that you're putting into the house is important. If you're doing an exterior project or looking for low hanging fruit, we always say that air sealing is the, the best bang for your buck because it's usually pretty cheap. Caulking is something that you can do as a homeowner. You can have somebody do for you, but it's really important that you are not trapping moisture then inside of your house. So if you want to do an air sealing project and you want to improve the drafts and the leakiness of your house, make sure that you're not going to create another issue by trapping moisture inside or trapping fuel gases from a wood stove, a boiler, a furnace, a hot water tank. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, then I highly recommend that you hire an energy auditor before you make any changes. Um, that will be a small amount of money that will be a huge value to you. They can prioritize a list of what you should do, what you should check off. So I always say water management first, definitely don't want any water. After you figured out water management, air sealing, you know, caulking lots of places, um, whether it's light fixtures or electrical penetrations, things that pop up into your attic. And then if you're really thinking about it, 
If you want to stay warm in the snow, oftentimes we will wear a hat and boots. So start in the attic or the basement. So those are <laughs> those those are the the two kind of first priority spaces. If you can control air infiltration and the energy heat loss from the bottom and the top, you're you're making a huge impact. You have a lot less loss through the middle of your building. Mm-hmm. So, so those are my tips or takeaways of, for people. But I think it's important to have a consultant who can help guide you so that you don't create an issue you didn't previously have. Yeah, that's a very good point. Emily, tell me a little bit about your podcast, what it is, what it's about, how people might get the knowledge they need from you. Sure. So my podcast is called E3 Energy and Efficiency with Emily. Um, I started it originally because I used to write a lot of blog posts, but I don't think too many people have time to read long winded posts anymore. And I'm a talker if you didn't get that already from this podcast. (laughs) And so um, it's very easy for me to just talk about ideas on the podcast. And so it's branched out to first architecture. We talk about, you know, what's good design? What are other architects doing? Uh, All of that stuff. We talk about energy efficiency, like how do we build a pretty good house? And if you don't know what pretty good house is, um, it's it's a, f- a funny saying, but go to prettygoodhouse.org to learn more about what's a pretty good house. This is how do we do a little bit better with what we're building? Like we don't want to build um, and as code improves, we'll stop saying this. But until code gets as good as it gets, uh, code is the worst house you can legally build. Uh, so pretty good houses, how to be better and do better at all of those things without having to do a certification program. So maybe you don't want to build a passive house and get it certified, but you want some of the knowledge on, you know, how do I have better comfort? How do I have better air quality? Um, how do I, uh, have lower VOC materials? Um, and those things are kind of covered in pretty good house. Um, and so we talk about efficiency on the podcast and then we talk about female entrepreneurship. So where are my ladies out there? Um, I want to really highlight and promote other women in architecture, construction, engineering, and trade related fields, um, plumbing, electrical, actually only know one, uh, female electrician, but really highlight out there one, because we have a trade shortage. So we, we need everybody to be joining in the trades, no matter who you are. And two, because I think, and based on what I've talked to of a lot of other uh, women is we think we have to be perfect. So we don't jump into it right away. Everybody has to learn no matter who you are. And so it's perfectly fine to ask questions. You don't have to be perfect at it at the beginning and to just connect other women with other women in the field so they can share their stories, so they can be mentors, so they can say, you know, it's, it's, not there's no barrier to entry for women in the trades um you know we don't lift heavy things on our own anymore right like we come up with systems it's not a and it's it's a skill that a lot of women have and we just don't realize or it isn't tied um unfortunately i think in our schools we don't necessarily tie skills that we're good at like maybe you're good at math can translate into the trade field maybe you're good at project management translates into the trade field. Maybe you're good at art, translates into architecture and design build. There are so many roles to fulfill that we need to bring back excitement and enjoyment of the trade field. And so my podcast is to highlight other female entrepreneurs who are out there doing it, working for other businesses and and just being great at what they're at what they're doing. So I really like to bring them on, highlight them, put them out there and show other people that, you know, there's 
There's no reason why you can't. So um, that's what my podcast is about. You can listen to it on my website. You can listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as well. That's awesome, Emily. Instagram's probably my primary platform. There is a great building science community on Instagram. So if you're not on the Instagram community, you should join in there. There is also technically I push some information to to uh, Facebook, but LinkedIn is another place where I connect with other professionals, where you share other trade stories, lots of people sharing articles and research that they've done. That's really valuable. And on Thursday nights, starting again full time in September, uh, we do a live Zoom show for the BS and Beer Show. So BS yeah, standing for Building Science. And so that is a great place where we bring on other experts in the field or just lay people, homeowners. We do a book club, book review. We're just starting to share the message of building science to give it a good wrap and to let people know that it's a very sharing community. People who are free with their knowledge, who want to share, who want to see everybody succeed. Um, and so all of our previous episodes are up on the BS and Beer Show uh, YouTube channel. But you can join live on Thursday nights. And uh, there's a chat box, which is often very lively. We try to take all of our people who join in, we try to take audience questions to ask the people who are on screen. Um, but there's generally a very lively chat, which has helped to foster other people in the rest of the country to know that there are people like you who are also interested in similar things in your area. And so it was started because our local uh, BS and beer chapter couldn't meet in person during the pandemic. So we jumped on a Zoom just to make sure that everybody was okay. How were they surviving? Did they need help? Word got out to some people who know us, who are in other parts of the country, who then wanted to join. And the BS and Beer show was born. Um, <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. Evolved into bigger things, but we're really hoping to encourage it to grow other local chapters so that as people are able to get back together in person again, they've maybe connected with people in their area who are mm -hmm. interested in similar things. But that the online show is also a great resource for people who want to learn more about heat pumps or have a client that doesn't know anything about induction ranges and they can go watch an episode on induction ranges or kitchen ventilation. So it's a great resource to send other professionals or other clients to homeowners who are thinking about building to get more information on the crazy things that we talk about that uh, we forget you don't know because it's been so long that since we learned something about it. So it's a great way to kind of add additional information on what we're doing and why we're doing it. So, so there's the BS and beer show uh, as well on Thursday nights. So how do you find that? Or do you have to get an invitation to the zoom? There is the a zoom website link? called the BS and beer show.com. It'll ask you to register the very first time that you go on there. And then it will send you a weekly reminder every Thursday that there's a show coming up. Um, that is actually just through the Zoom platform. If you want to know what the shows are that are coming up, you can join uh, our mailing list on the BS and Beer Show uh, hmm. com, and that will tell you what the next upcoming show is, who the guests might be, what we're going to talk about. We also follow that up with a blog post on Green Building Advisor, where we encourage people if they didn't get their questions asked to go over and continue the discussion on Green Building Advisor. And then all of the old episodes are up on YouTube so that you can 
watch or rewatch or relearn. Some of them, even though I've been doing this a long time, we get some great people on who are experts in their field that I'm like, I'm gonna have to watch that again. <laughs> uh, so, so there are in-depth episodes and there are lighthearted, fun, scary building failures that we did on Halloween where we dressed up <laughs> and talked about scary building failures. We would really love to have more um, homeowners who are interested in building to come on, ask questions, tell us what they don't know, right? So we can structure shows about what, what you might want to know. And so it's, it's a fun time had by all, usually. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I wouldn't be able to do this without you, the listener. I invite you to join me on Instagram at Talking Home Renovations, where we are building up a friendly community. Other ways to get in touch are in the show notes, including the weekly newsletter that includes photos from the episodes. It's kind of worth signing up for that. Talking Home Renovations with Alice Maven is proud to be a member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. If you're into architecture, check out what the network has to offer at gablemedia.com. That is G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Until next time, take it easy.